You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Well, good morning and uh, welcome. It's so good to be with you this morning and preach God's word. We are in Acts uh, 16 verses 16 to 40 and we are continuing our series in Acts of Christ, his church and his cause. And we love going through this book of seeing the early church kind of form uh, into the global movement that it is now. And we were, we're just desperate to see you like, Lord, what you were doing back then, we'd love you to do it uh, with us here today. Um, so I've got a question for you to start this morning. Uh, what do you do when uh, there's you're entering a room and it's a closed door situation so the door is closed you know someone else is there what do you do do you burst straight through the door um, do you uh, kind of wait the solitary two minute, two seconds and knock and then go through do you maybe just slightly tentatively like knock and then kind of peep your head around the door um, I don't know what you do when there's a closed door um, uh, it might be different depending on uh, the situation that you're in it might be your boss's door or um, someone else uh, is door that you want to open and then you might change how you do that depending but once I uh, had a knock on the door and this knock on the door was very crucial to uh, my life and I may be exaggerating a bit but I've got you hooked now haven't I Um, when I was about 10 years old um, it was the summer of 1998 life was good Uh, me and my little sister Bex we were uh, playing the Nintendo 64 in our front room Uh, and my mum was cooking in the kitchen it was almost uh, tea time so I decided to close the door because uh, there's too much background noise. I needed to concentrate on beating my sister at Formula One, as you do. And uh, we were playing along, we're having fun, and then my mum says, right, it's time for tea, come through to the kitchen. And I try to open the door, and it doesn't open. And I use all my 10-year-old muscles, and I can't open it. And my sister uses all her 5-year-old muscles, and she can't open it. And so we do what any 10-year-old and 5-year-old would do in that moment, and we call her mum. And she tries to open it, and it doesn't open. And what you need to know is this door, it was a bit stiff now and again recently, and you had to kind of really kind of work to kind of close it and open it. But I'd never done this before. Um, So we were really, really kind of like, oh, what do we do? We're we're stuck. We're trapped. And as things would happen, I was getting hungry, which now as a kind of 21st century term we'd know would be hangry. And my little sister needed to go to the toilet. So we were in real dire straits. So we tried to open it. We tried to get out of like the kind of bay window, which we realized there was never any any opportunity that we were ever going to get out of that window. Um, my dad wasn't home yet, so what my mum did was she went round to the neighbours' houses and, and, and checked to see if there was anyone in that could help us. And two dads came round to help. And one was John, he was a short, stocky fella, and another was Sandy, and he was a tall, lanky fella. Um, a great dream team, you might think. And they both tried themselves to open it, they tried together to open it, but they couldn't get the door open. And then John had an idea, and he said, I'll be back in a minute. And I don't know what you're thinking, what John comes back with in this moment. But John, with a gleeful look in his eye, comes back with two crowbars. And what he says to my sister and me is he says, I'm going to knock on the door twice. And when I knock on the door twice, get as far away from the door as possible. Um, So we wait for the knock. The knock comes. 
helpful to have a wooden table for this illustration. Uh, and we go over to the other side of the room, me being the 10-year-old, I go and try and protect the N64 from any particular damage. And then, you know, things that are really helpful. And then uh, John and Sandy come bundling through the door. The crowbars have worked. We are set free. I can have some food. And my sister can go to the toilet. And you may be wondering why I'm telling you this, but the reason I'm telling you this is uh, there is opportunity knocking at the door for us as followers of Jesus in our sites and in our online community right now. And we need to be ready to step through to all that God has for us in this season. It feels like there are some doors, there's some opportunities opening around our sites, around buildings, around new opportunities. Uh, to give you an example, in Stonehaven, we are close to uh, kind of coming into a permanent building. Um, we've also been invited into various different things recently. We've been invited into the Stonehaven Folk Festival and served there. Uh, we've been invited into the Stonehaven Community Resilience Plan and served there. We've been invited into a drop-in for relocated Ukrainian families as well in our town. And there are opportunities online and across our locations as well. And it might also be a personal opportunity for us. What is the personal opportunity that is knocking at the door that God is encouraging us to step through this morning? Not to shy away, but to step through. And how can we step into that? And in the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, we see uh, opportunities are knocking at the door and the followers of Jesus step through. We see in Acts 3 with Peter and John, with the lame beggar, uh, Peter says to him, Gold and silver I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus, son of Nazareth, walk. Uh, we see Ananias finding Saul and showing him who Jesus really is. And he goes to Saul on Straight Street, even though he knows Saul has been persecuting the Christians. And he lays hands on him and scales fall from Saul's eyes. And we see Peter uh, on his road trip to see Cornelius, the Roman centurion, a literal knock on the door uh, where he's uh, celebrating and worshipping God. And then he gets a knock on the door from Cornelius's men to say, come and share what you have to share with us. And we see through that that the, uh, the early church in those situations, they respond and latch onto these opportunities where the, uh, the door has been knocked on. And in Acts 16, this is another opportunity that comes for the early church. Paul and Barnabas, they parted ways uh, and with Barnabas going to Cyprus. And Paul and Silas, they go on mission with Timothy joining them on the way. And they try to go to Bithynia, but it's clear that the door is closed on them. The, the Lord won't allow them to go there. But in that same night, Paul has a vision of a Macedonian man begging them to go to Macedonia. And the Lord opens that door and here we are in Philippi, which would have been in ancient Macedonia, where they are now. There was that opportunity that was knocking on the door and they walked through. So today we're going to learn uh, from the text of when opportunity knocks, what do we need to prepare for? What are the challenges and also the invitations uh, that we can encounter in this opportunity? So let's read Acts 16, starting uh, from verse 16. And we'll skip a couple of uh, verses just because it's quite a long passage, but um, let's start from there. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned round and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. 
When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and uh, Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now we're just going to skip down to verse 25, where uh, Paul and Silas are now in prison. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke of the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his whole household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And then finally, we'll just skip down to verse 40, where it says this. It finishes with this. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. And we can see that when opportunity knocks, there are three things that we need to prepare for. The first is when opportunity knocks, we need to prepare for opposition to contend against. The first thing we see when Paul and Silas encounter on their travels is they're going to this place of prayer and they encounter this slave girl who is possessed by a spirit. And she has the sideline in fortune telling and there's opposition on multiple levels here. In verse 16 it says she's been earning a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. One of the forms of opposition here is oppression through the slave girl and how she has been oppressed. She's been oppressed by her vocation or lack of, of being a slave. No uh, title, nothing to her name. She's uh, oppressed by the personnel. Those who own her aren't uh, doing anything for her good, but actually they've realised that there's an opportunity here to make money from her and what she is dealing with. And she's also oppressed by the spiritual realm, that she's oppressed by the spirit who is uh, making her uh, tell fortunes as well. There are a lot of factors here that are keeping her down. And interestingly here, scholars suggest that the slave girl uh, was under the spirit of the python. The python snake is known for killing its prey by restricting it and coiling round it. But almost by not even realising what's happening, the prey is kind of uh, taken up in this kind of coil and then slowly squeezed and tightened and taken over and submitted by that way. Um, Maybe think of the the python Ra in the Jungle Book, of that kind of hypnotizing presence that squeezes and controls its prey. And also in ancient times, the python uh, was uh, the symbol which would guard the temple of Apollos. Uh, So a kind of Greek god that would have been in this city as well. So that kind of oppression. She was oppressed and restricted by the spirit and by her owners. 
And the spirit that was possessing her shouts at Paul and Silas, uh, but, but recognizes that they're from the Lord, the one true God. And we've seen this in the life of Jesus through uh, his uh, casting out the demons of Legion. And also uh, earlier on in Acts, where Simon the sorcerer, when uh, spirits come that aren't of God, they, they recognize who God is, who the one true God is. And uh, she keeps us up for a few days, shouting, shouting this. And then Paul rebukes the spirit out of her. He doesn't want what she is offering to be confused with what they are presenting as the one true God, as the Holy Spirit, as Jesus Christ. So Paul turns to her and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And in that moment, the spirit leaves. And what should be a moment of celebration actually becomes another moment of concern for Paul and Silas because they're seized by the slave girl's owners and they bring them before the magistrate and they bring them on two crimes. Two crimes saying this, that they're causing a public disturbance. They're annoying. They're a nuisance. We don't want them here. And also they're advocating customs which are against the Roman law. In a kind of uh, a Greek settlement, but a Roman uh, colony, they're saying what Paul and Silas are bringing is against the customs of this town and we need them out. We need them dealt with. And from these verses, we can see that when opportunity knocks, when God brings the opportunity for Paul and Silas, they have to contend against opposition. They have to contend against the oppression they see. Not only the oppression of the slave girl and what she is under, but also the owners and the charges that they throw against them. How terrible for that girl in this amazing moment of freedom that it was marred by the owners complaining about losing income and then going after Paul and Silas. You see, sometimes when uh, God breaks through and when people are redeemed and restored, a system isn't happy about that. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is what we need to be ready for when we step into the opportunity that God has for us. The miracle of the slave girl causes a chain reaction in the system that the owners aren't happy about. And suddenly Paul and Silas are imprisoned quite rashly in order to stop this and for them to be quiet. The system reacts against the breaking in of the kingdom. And uh, we see examples all the time of systems not always uh, being in place for the well-being of everyone. Um, You could maybe think of those in your own life or in the life that we see in this moment. But I don't want to get too political, but there's one uh, really obvious one that's been in the news in the last few weeks recently where uh, what has come to light is another uh, situation where of a system we're facing that isn't always of the best interest for uh, those in that situation. And we think about the uh, four times Olympic gold medalist, Sir Mo Farah, uh, a hero in in this country, an incredible uh, British athlete who uh, came to light recently, said about the fact that he wasn't who he said he was, but actually he was an illegal immigrant. And he telling his story of how if he had told the truth or his head teacher or his PE teacher at the time had told the truth, he probably would not be in this country and we wouldn't have the Olympic champion that we know today. The system wouldn't have allowed for that amazing story to happen. And in the same way, the system is desperately trying to keep this slave girl oppressed. And the point is, as Christians, we have an opportunity to stand up 
and to contend against oppression. Just thinking about our local context in Stonehaven, I know we, we're on the cusp of this building and there are many opportunities that uh, could happen, but there are also going to be many op- moments of opposition and many cases of where we see oppression in our town. And maybe you've never been to Stonehaven, but I want to tell you a couple of facts about Stonehaven. Stonehaven has three fish and chip shops. Stonehaven also has three ice cream shops. And actually, one is on sale at the moment. So if you fancy an ice cream shop in Stonehaven, uh, I, can, I can get you in touch. Uh, but also it has three food banks. Three ice cream shops, three fish and chip shops, three food banks. But often the town don't recognise that there is an issue there. And as a church, as Christians, we want to say that actually we want to bring a place where people may have been overlooked and, and not seen. We want to create a place that people can be known, needed, loved and accepted and actually that we can help them progress with their lives and not and not having to need the use for food banks but actually to grow and to develop within that while sharing the love of Jesus within that and as I've been praying about this building I've been seeing people coming out of the woodwork God's been showing me like almost people coming out of the woodwork coming out of the floorboards where um, it feels at the moment we might be scratching the surface but when opportunity happens here we're able to to build and to grow and to develop that that people can actually experience freedom from those systems people can experience freedom from what's caused those situations there's opposition that we need to contend against but in your situation it might be an opposition situation in work you might be thinking that tomorrow morning if you were to share what you were watching at at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning that people would be shocked or that you might get some uh, feedback that you might not like or people might rile against that but I would just encourage you in this moment there is an opportunity here to stand up for what you believe and to say I've been going on a journey this this week this year of finding out more about Christianity and I have been reading the Bible and I am starting to believe that that is true and, and, and to, to share that with your work colleagues would love you to do that that might be the, the opposition you know you're facing it might be something else and if that's the case we'd love to pray for you uh, later on so when opportunity knocks we need to prepare for opposition to, to stand against but also invitations to deliver Paul and Silas, they find themselves in prison in verse 25. They've been put in prison to try and be silenced. But instead uh, of being silent, they're singing songs of worship and praise to God. They're in the stocks, which I imagine was like the maximum security at the time. Uh, They've been beaten and flogged. They'll be aching. Their backs will be sore. But instead, they're singing praises of uh, songs of praise to God. And worship is coming from their mouth. And all the prisoners are watching them as well. It says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. They were being an example of what it means to be a witness in that moment. And in this moment, another opportunity comes from God. And rather than it being a knocking on the door, it's something else that's quite dramatic. And to paraphrase uh, Sir Michael Caine, I promise I will not do a rubbish Cockney accent, but in the paraphrase of the Italian job, Michael Caine would say, he's only gone and blown the doors off. Because God, yeah, I know, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't put the, the accent on it. It would be terrible. God shows up and an earthquake shakes the whole foundations of the prison. The doors open, the chains come off, and I love what happens next. If that were me, I'd be like, right, quick, go. Let's get out of here. Let's uh, get away for another day. But Paul and Silas, they recognize there's an opportunity here from the Lord, and it's not the one we think. 
Instead of thinking of themselves or starting a prison break, they immediately turn towards the thoughts of the jailer. Because what they recognize is not only were the foundations of the jail being shook, but also the foundations of the jailer's soul as well. They recognize that. The jailer is contemplating taking his own life, knowing that if the prisoners escape, it would be his fault. But Paul shouts out and says, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And what happens next is that the jailer says these words. He says, what must I do to be saved? And the reply from Paul and Silas is this, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. You might be watching online this morning and thinking, what must I do to be saved? Those words that were from all that time ago in Acts are still true today. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I love this. Paul and Silas, they take that opportunity to deliver an invitation to Jesus. Instead of just looking after themselves, they had the faith to wait and the, the wait on the opportunity that God had provided and wait on that for not just themselves, but also for those in the jail. You can imagine that those who were uh, watching Paul and Silas worship earlier would have been watching that whole situation unfold. And they gave the jailer an invitation to meet with Jesus and to believe in him for himself and an opportunity open to his whole household. And what we need to think about is that invitations are little steps of faith that can build along the way. And sometimes we don't know where an invitation will lead. Um, recently, I was at the Vineyard Leaders Gathering uh, just in April, and uh, we had the privilege of hearing uh, from Archie Coates, Reverend Archie Coates, who uh, is, was at St. Peter's Brighton in England, uh, but has now taken over the leadership of uh, HDB, Holy Trinity Brompton, a, a really um, strategic and a pioneering church, incredible church in London. Uh, he's taken over from uh, Nicky and Pippa Gumbel, him and his wife, Art, uh, Sam. And uh, they have just taken over and he was talking at the, the gathering, talking about the fact that um, as they were coming to their end of their time in Brighton and then moving on, that people were kind of getting a bit kind of like misty eyed and kind of reminiscing and just asking him lots of questions of like, it, in the last 14 years you've been in Brighton, has it been everything you expected or what has God done? What has, what has things happened? And what he would describe that as, is he would say that God has done everything they would, they would have thought in the sense of every time that they've stepped out in faith, every time they've uh, put on a prayer meeting, every time they've um, sent out uh, uh, invitations to Alpha or whatever, that God has, has blessed them and, they've sh and people have shown up. But also, it would be nothing that they would have expected because those have gone so much further than he ever would have thought or imagined. And to give you an example is, I want to share two people that he shared about that actually will encourage us and inspire us today about our invitation. So the first is a lady called Babs. And uh, Babs was a lady on the street. Uh, she was quite a formidable lady. She was in her 40s and probably about half of her adult life she had uh, spent in prison. And she went along to one of the church's outreach projects uh, for those on the streets and uh, she was doing really well she got off her drugs and she was just about to move into her move on house like almost like the last step before uh, getting her own tenancy her own permanent home uh, but what Archie and his wife Sam realised was that actually if Babs went into that place, uh, she might slip back into um, old habits in the sense of there would be people there that uh, she would have known old acquaintances, uh, there would have been the, the same temptations as before, and they didn't want that to happen. So Sam one day says to Archie, we've got a spare room. Do you think we can put Babs up in it? And Archie thinks about it, he prays about it, he's not sure, but he says yes. 
And so Babs comes to stay with them. And then because, you know, they're the, the pastors or the vicars of the church, they invite her to Alpha and she comes along to Alpha and she is uh, amazingly saved at Alpha. And uh, a few years later, uh, we wind the clock forward a few years later and suddenly Babs is uh, clean. She's got her own tenancy. She's uh, come to the Lord and she's actually started uh, being part of the coordination of running a winter night shelter uh, across Brighton and helping coordinate with 14 other churches in that area. Isn't that amazing? That little invitation, and then we see where Babs is. Another man, uh, another person even, was a man called James. And he came on an Alpha course, and he um, had heard about it. He was interested. Uh, they'd, uh, the church had decided to put on Alpha on a cafe just across the road from the church. And so he came along. He had no idea about Jesus in, in his life at all before. Um, but in week nine, uh, there was a session on healing. And Archie had a word about someone who uh, used to have eczema as a child and had gone away but had only recently come back. And James, at that point, put his hand up because he knew that was him. He's like, I used to have eczema, it's gone away, but now it has come back. And they prayed for him there and then and they said, "Uh, Lord, would that eczema go? And nothing happened in that moment. But... uh, Later on, uh, the next day, James was getting ready for work. He went to the shower. He came out of the shower. As he was drying himself on his arms, he could see that all the eczema had gone. And it was all completely gone. And the long story short, a very long story, very short, is that this summer, uh, James uh, has been ordained into the Church of England to lead a church plant shortly out of St. Peter's Brighton. And I tell you these stories not for us to be like, oh, we can never do that. I tell you these stories because the point is that those were tiny little invitations and then God did the rest. Those were tiny little invitations that started small and then God snowballed. And Babs was invited into someone's home, which led her to leading that network of churches for Rough Sleepers in Brighton. James was invited along to an Alpha course and was invited to respond to a word of knowledge. And then he's now leading a church plant. Paul's invitation to the jailer led him and his whole household coming to know Jesus. If you know any of the history of our church, you will know that's been true to us as well. I think of Tammy and Brian Doherty, who are the site pastors of our Ellen site, where Tammy was invited along. She came to know Jesus. Then her kids came to know Jesus. Then Brian came to know Jesus. Her and her whole household came to know through that invitation. And the invitation you have in your hand is extremely powerful. It's transformative and exciting. But often we can think of it almost like a burden. We can think of it like a big pile of rocks that we just like, oh, I have to carry this invitation. Oh, it's so tiring. It's so difficult. It weighs us down. But when actual fact, the invitations we possess are like the golden ticket in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. They're sought after. They're genuine importance and precious. Not finite, but can be freely given to all those we know and can transform and unlock freedom in people's lives. So wouldn't it be great right now as our online community, we can think about who we can invite to Alpha in September. Maybe as we're all online, we could gather people in our houses and almost do mini alphas alongside the bigger alpha of the online together. Wouldn't that be amazing? Or maybe we can invite people to our online connect groups as well in this season. Think about that now as we gear up to those things in September. When opportunity knocks, we need to prepare for opposition to stand against. We need to prepare for invitations to deliver and also salvation to witness in the unlikely. As we look at Acts 16 as a whole, 
Paul and Silas had been there for a little while. And at the end of that uh, passage in verse 40, it says they go back to Lydia's house, who had also come to know the Lord very recently. And I would have loved to be in the room for the first proper meeting of the church in Philippi, because what a bunch of characters they would have been. Uh, We see three sets of people of who that would be. Firstly, we see Lydia. She was a wealthy woman, a wealthy woman, a wealthy woman, probably, you know, the type of person that if she went on to Dragon's Den, she'd get all the money. Um, They'd all want to partner with her because she had her own business in purple cloth. It was really going well, but she was also an immigrant in this land. And she was hungry to learn more about Jesus. We see the slave girl who would have been a local. She would have been a resident, but she would have had nothing to her name. No rights, no possessions, no liberties. And now she's free from that bondage of slavery. And she's working that out. And we see the jailer and his whole household. Most likely a retired soldier, a Roman, uh, probably belonged to the respectable middle class. But he had a moral need. His conscience had been stirred by what happened. And so he was seeking and he was growing as well in that faith. And these were three foundational members of the church in Philippi. And interestingly and tragically, uh, one of the, the prayers that the heads of the Jewish household, the religious kind of, um, kind of sect at the time would have used, they would have used the same prayer every day. And the head of the Jewish household, a man would have prayed these things. He would have given thanks to God that he wasn't a Gentile, he wasn't a woman, and he wasn't a slave. Those three things that the jailer, that the slave girl, and that the woman at Lydia was, that he would pray that. Almost like uh, in Luke 18, where uh, the Pharisee would say, I'm glad I'm not that tax collector. I give thanks to God I'm not that tax collector. But I love how God works. He doesn't work like that, does he? He thinks about those who are overlooked, who are uh, undervalued by the world, and he gives them a place to be redeemed and to be united. We see that in Galatians 3. Paul states, There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is an opportunity for us to kind of shake off the religious baggage, to shake off the things of maybe we don't want to go across the room to speak to that person, but actually we have an opportunity to witness salvation in the unlikely. And it's the church's role to help and to uh, help answer those questions, to help point people to Jesus and help uh, people grow in their faith. I believe that we want to be a church that is built on diversity, a place where people experience Jesus in a real, tangible way. And for us, of those who know Jesus, to have the opportunity to, to pass that on and to help people grow in that area. There's an opportunity here. It's knocking at the door. Are we going to burst through? Or are we going to uh, pretend we didn't hear the knock? Are we going to let that pass us by? I would encourage us in this moment now for us to burst through that and to take the opportunity that God has for us now. Why don't we just take a moment just to pray? And as we take this time of prayer, the first thing I want to say is I want to say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill us wherever we are? However we are watching this morning, Holy Spirit, would you come? And Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you give us an opportunity. You invite us into what you have for us. 
And so, Lord, I just pray for every person now watching that you'd make it clear what that next step for them is of the invitation they have for someone else. I pray you'd be putting people's names on people's hearts right now for Alpha, for Connect Groups, for even just meeting up and taking that first step to talk about faith. But also, Lord, I just want to pray right now, there might be someone watching this morning that hasn't accepted that invitation for Jesus yet. They haven't accepted that invitation from you to know you. And so I'm just going to lead a prayer um, where you can repeat that uh, in your heart. And then if you do want to know and trust Jesus in this moment, that you can repeat that prayer. And then I'd love you to get in touch with Libby, our online pastor. She would love to get to know you. So let me just pray this line at a time. And then you can repeat that. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you know me and that you love me. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life and died the perfect death for me. I thank you that through his uh, death and resurrection, I can now have life with you. And so today, God, I choose to turn from my old ways and to live for you. I pray that you would meet me now as I start this new life with you. Amen.